Hello, everybody. We are truly excited that you're here for another conversation podcast. This will be just a candid conversation today about some things happening now or just whatever the Spirit's going to lay on our heart. As always, I'm Brad. And I'm Scott. And this is not about us. All right. Hey, Scott. How hey, are you? Hey, Brad. <laughs> I'm doing good. What about yourself today? Well, I'm doing good. But before we get too far into this conversation, as always, I think it's super important that uh, we get Yahweh in here with us. Absolutely. So he can lead that conversation because all about him. That's right. As, as I start this prayer, uh, I want to bring up something that... Uh, Brad brought up earlier as we were talking, just the fact that we say we're bringing God into this, but there's the knowledge that you're already here, God. When we say we're bringing you in, we just simply want to acknowledge that we want this to be yours. We're not saying you were gone, you were out there at a distance, not paying any attention until we called you. You're here and we know you're here but we want to make you, we want to give up control. We want, to, we want you to be the highlight. God, glorify yourself. Hallelujah. So let this conversation go as, wherever you will, and we hope that uh, this conversation, like every prayer that we have with you, just goes on even after the mic stops. Uh, not just for us, not just for Brad and I, uh, our conversation with you, but for every listener out there. This is a conversation where God is a major part, and, and he's the only part that matters. Brad and I talking to each other, phew, who cares about that? But what God is having a conversation with right now in your heart, you who are listening, that's what matters. And we hope that that conversation goes on for you long after this podcast ends. Yes. Amen to that. Yeah, no, I, I brought that up um, before the podcast started. I I know that God is always with me. He's always right here. Sometimes it may not feel like he's close, but that's more because of me and not him. He's always there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, when I, yeah, when I say, Hey, God, I'm inviting you in. It really is as that honored guest. Mm-hmm. Um, I want him to shine. I, wanna, I Absolutely. want to. Absolutely. I want him to have the seat up front, and he's, he's the guest of honor, and we're going to give him honor and praise. I really hope that's what these podcasts are doing. Real quick, I just want to give a kind of an update here. Um, as the podcast is growing and we're making more, uh, I've been doing a few new things. I've got the website updated with some uh, links to other, <laughs> you might wonder, we talked about this previously too, why would we send you away from our site? We, you know, we should get you there and want you to stay, but it's not about us. And so I really not. I put some links on there uh, to people who have influenced us, inspired us, um, or people who have some truth that I think um, you might find interesting, or or hopefully you'll get a another piece of the of the puzzle if you also go and visit their site. Um, Michael Rood is one of them. Briefly mentioned him, but uh, huge influence on both of us. The Spirit Man comic book. The link is on there. So if you want to see Scott's uh, writing in the in the comic book and his buddy Paul's artist work, uh, the just awesome drawings, just awesome book. Um, definitely recommend checking that one out. And also I put up a, uh, a chart that has the Hebrew letters um, and the, the meaning of the word pictures. Um, that's on there too. So if you're, if you're listening to the Genesis study, that's where they've been coming up the most. 
feel free to check that chart out so you can kind of see what Scott's talking about. And Yeah, and, that's very helpful. And maybe you'll see some of those uh, word pictures on there for yourself and come up with something new and exciting. Um, and speaking of which, if you do see something there new and exciting that you want to share, the podcasts on the website now have a comment section. That's right. And I apologize. I didn't get that on there sooner. I'm learning to be a web designer as I go along. <laughs> We're all learning. But uh, yeah, they're on there. So feel free, comment, share, um, you know, give us how God's moved in your life. Give us the piece of truth that you have. You know, I, I will be monitoring the comments. We're never going to do, we're never going to shame you or your thoughts or your, or your opinions. If it's truth uh, and you want to share it, you know, please do. And we, and we, would, we would greatly appreciate that if you did. Okay, so do you want to start the conversation off anywhere in particular, or do you want me to jump in? Well, you know what? I, I think right now there's a pretty big thing going on in the world that we should probably talk about. That's right. Um, you know, there's a spirit of fear uh, that's been going on um, since COVID kind of started, and now I think there's also kind of a spirit of anger. People are offended. People are angry. Um, they're lashing out, and uh, I think it's important that we kind of talk about that a little bit and see if we can offer some calmness in the storm, some, you know, some insight, just kind of what our thoughts are on how a Christian should handle this situation. Oh, absolutely. Uh, do you have any ideas? I'm glad you brought up that word Christian, because that's one of the things I wanted to talk about today is just what that word means. Uh, for so many people, Christian is just uh, an identifier, which says, for some people, it means nothing more than I'm an American citizen because they, they see us as a Christian nation. And yeah, sure, I call myself Christian then. Uh, for so many people, it just means you belong to a country club that uh, the dues are cheaper than some other places. Uh, for a lot of people, it means different things, but I want to focus on the one thing and that is Christian means like Christ. Hallelujah. I want to focus on, with what's going on in the world today, guys, for those of you who might be listening that are not Christian, truly Christian, which means you are not attempting to reveal Jesus in your life, because the word Christian, I'm going to back up here again a little bit. The word Christian was not something the early church self-identified with. You need to grasp this. Christian was not something people called themselves. Christian was something other people called them. Christian was an identifier that the non-believer pointed to them, that the Gentile pointed to them and said, they are Christians. And why did they say it? Because their lives exemplified Jesus Christ. They saw Jesus in the person and identified that as someone who is living like Jesus. So for the people out there who do not identify as Christian, right now, I'm not talking to you. Because as Paul said, talking about unbelievers he said what do i have to do with them what, what do i have to i'm not going to judge them because they're they're part of how can i judge them they're not part of this kingdom they're not it, it would be like a, a judge from france trying to try uh someone from brazil it's like your, your laws don't apply to me you're, you're part of a different kingdom you're part of a different nationality i have no authority over you but to the people who did call themselves believers, to the people who were supposed to be called Christians because they claimed to be representing Jesus to the world. When they were screwing up, he came down hard on them. There's one gentleman in the scriptures that he said that uh, this particular gentleman was sleeping with his father's wife. And Paul says in the scriptures, I haven't, even, I haven't even met this person. 
but I have given his body up to Satan so that his soul might come to repentance. That's pretty harsh words. I've given his body up to Satan because of what he was doing. He was not exemplifying Christ, and yet he was claiming that he was. So to you who call yourself Christian, you are supposed to be exemplifying Jesus Christ. In this time of hatred, in this time of assault, in this time of anger, what are you doing? Now, some of you are out there praying and, 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 and loving and sharing Jesus to the best of your ability. Thank God for you. But those of you who are out there attacking and assaulting and abusing, or if you're not the one out there assaulting people and destroying buildings and promoting anger, but you're justifying it and you're saying they, they're good, good on them. They need to be hurting people and they need to be increasing the hatred and they need to be fueling the fire. I want you to imagine Jesus Christ himself in the situation and if you can see him burning down houses and if you can see him uh, hurting and abusing and kicking and fighting and beating well first of all you've got a really messed up idea about who Jesus is but I challenge you are you really Christian something you said to me one time Scott really stuck with me I was uh, I don't remember the situation itself but I was angry with someone and I had let my anger come out a little bit. And then you told me a story about, um, I believe, how you had some road rage one time. Yes. And uh, and you basically just looked at me and you said, you, you were angry with that person and you lashed out. Now go talk to them about Jesus. I remember just immediately uh, sinking into a pit. How can I go talk to these people? that I might have hurt about Jesus. I wasn't being like Jesus. I wasn't acting like him. Mm-hmm. They, they would never listen to what I had to say about Christ and his love for them. Right. Because it would be coming from me mm-hmm. who showed anger and hate. Yes. And that's just it. There's a lot of people out there creating more hatred. Now, it's a horrible thing that happened in the first place. I am not justifying it. But what is going on now is not justice. It's it's just as wrong as any other wrong thing that has gone on in the world that we have all justified throughout history. Hitler justified the Holocaust. Uh, how, How many people justified... Uh, in, in the South, uh, the lynching of black men because they said they were Christian and they said they were doing God's will. How many people have justified their anger and abuse and their torment against, well, anybody, anybody and anything? All of this rage throughout history has always been justified by the perpetrators. And this is why God told us to love our enemies. And I spoke about it before in one of the Genesis podcasts that God said when he was creating the world and he talks about uh, being after your own kind. And he talks about uh, the plants, I believe was the the first time uh, brought it up, The earth brought forth grass, herb yielding seed after its kind, tree bearing fruit wherein is the seed thereof after its kind. And we spoke about how this is a physical manifestation of a spiritual truth. Everything reproduces after its kind. And guys, if you're out there, like I said, if you're out there and you don't know Jesus and you're blind uh, to spiritual reality and you're an unbeliever, 
yeah, I believe that rage is going to come out of you. And I believe that injustice is going to come out of you. And I believe that violence is going to come out of you. Because you're blind. You're ignorant. For those people, now I'm talking to you people who call yourselves Christians. For those people, we need to pity them. We need to have compassion upon them. Bring Paul up again. He said, we need to love them into the kingdom. The reason we're not supposed to take vengeance upon ourselves, but we're supposed to leave vengeance in the hands of God because he is infinitely wiser than you. But also, for this reason, everything breeds after its own kind. And if you sow and you reap violence, it's just going to continue to grow. It's going to continue to produce. So to you Christians, you people who call yourselves the children of the Messiah, the children of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ, to you, I've got some pretty harsh things to say. You who are justifying this and you who are a part of this, where, where is all this hatred coming from? Because it's not from Jesus. That tells me you're not really his. Because Jesus said they will know we are Christians by our love. And when you're broadcasting hate, yeah, just like Paul, I've got to tell you, it's not right and we're not going to put up with it. I hope for every one of you who are doing that, for the betterment of your own souls, that you seek forgiveness right now and you start to chase the one who loved you enough that when people beat him when people nailed him to a cross when people put the whip to him when people murdered him he said father forgive them for they do not know what they do for all of you people who are saying it's justice and it's justified that these people go out and hurt and maim and destroy that's not god God said, they beat me, they killed me, and I want to love them more. The simple truth is, we have all fallen short of God's grace and glory. We're all sinners, every single one of us. We all need a Savior who is merciful and loving to pay the wages of our sin. The wages of our sin are death. If you allow anger and offense to blind you, if you allow the world to justify you sinning, if you don't feel the weight of that sin, if you feel justified because the world tells you it's okay, the wages of your sin is death. We've got to feel the weight of it, or you will be cast into the fire. It breaks my heart the thought of anybody anybody being cast into the fire I implore you to look at yourself I implore you pray seek God's truth be honest and humble are you justifying sin and let's talk about that word hate real quick here because I said before, I said, where's all that hate coming from? Is it coming from God? Of course not. You know what? I'm not backtracking. I'm not taking back what I said. But let's ask the question, does God hate? Absolutely he does. God hates. But the focus of his hatred is never us. He loves us so much. He gave his very life for us. He gave his life for the people who hated him. Now think about every one of you who says, I identify as a Christian. I identify as being in the body of Christ. There was one point in your life when you didn't. You came to a decision. You came to understand the love of God at some point in your life, but there was one point in your life when you hated him. Now, whether it was an outright vicious anger, whether it was just the hatred of casting him aside, of ignoring him, each life is different. But the fact is, Jesus loved you when you hated him. He hates, not you, but he hates the deception that keeps you from him. He hates the sin that keeps you from him. Imagine it this way. 
Think about the person you love the most, your, your son, your daughter, your wife, your husband, your, your, your parents, the, your best friend, someone that you say, that is my soulmate. That is my, that, that's the person I love and cherish the most in my life. And that person is taken from you. That person is kidnapped. That person is stolen. You get a ransom note or you get, you get a message that they're being beaten, that they're being hurt. Wouldn't you hate that situation? Wouldn't you hate the fact that that's going on? Wouldn't you hate the fact that they're not with you and they're in trouble and, and they're hurting and they're crying because you love the person so much? You hate what's happening to them. Yes, God hates because he loves us. If God didn't hate, it would be an indication that he didn't really care about us. There's a movie that came out a while ago, Ruthless People, uh, Danny DeVito, Bette Midler. It was a comedy. He, uh, he can't stand his wife, and she's kidnapped. And the ransom note is brought, and of course, all he can think of is joy. It's like, she's been taken. Yes, thank goodness. Uh, maybe they'll even kill her. I mean, it's a, like I said, it's a comedy. It's meant to be silly, but his reaction, he doesn't hate the situation because he hated his wife. He was thrilled with the situation. God loves you, each and every one of you, so much, and you're all his body, or at least you're all intended to be his body, that he hates when you step into sin, when you fall to that deception, and he's crying because of love for you to bring you back. Guys, again, to those of you who are saying, I identify as a believer in Jesus Christ, do not reveal to the world a false image of who he is. I also want to try to put some pressure on you because we are in the last days. Time might be running out before we can no longer save. If you look at what's been happening lately and you look at it from a biblical perspective, if you read Jesus' own words about what it'll be like in the last days, if you read the prophecies, if you understand the birth pains that are happening right now, it feels like things are heating up. It could be very soon that we no longer have the chance to spread the gospel and save as many people as we can. Any way you look at it, death is coming for each and every one of us. So even if this is not the generation that experiences the returning of Christ, we're still all going to die. Yeah. Our time is running out. So I want to put the pressure on you because this is the pressure that's on me too. I have to do my best to reach as many people as I can because of love. It breaks my heart to think that some people are not going to be saved. The Bible says that God has extended the last days because he doesn't want even a single one to perish. Because he loves us. Because he loves all of us. Something else I want to share real quick on this subject. And by the way, I, I've rarely and will rarely get this agitated over something like this. For those of you who are wondering if, um, if I sound like I'm hating and railing against hate, I, I do apologize. Again, I want to keep my focus on those of you who claim to be his. Those of you who are in ignorance, those of you who, who have no idea who God is or what he wants from you, uh, have no judgment against you. I, I pity you. And, and I want you to see the love of God the way it really is. But God said, my people perish for lack of judges. Because we have people who are too afraid to stand up for his words and for him. And we just let ourselves go with whatever. Uh, the story of Samuel and Eli. Not going to get into it here to, uh, not going to explain the whole story here for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about. Look it up in the Bible, 1 Samuel. But Eli was 
judged by God for because he let his sons go. They were supposed to be priests. They were supposed to be teaching the people about God, and they were abusing it. They were abusing their place, and Eli, even though he was a good man, he saw them doing it, and he would not correct them. And so God said, then I'm going to hold you just as accountable as I hold them. And I'm going to punish you because you should have said something. The watchman on the tower, the watchman on the wall was to look for garbage, for trouble, for bad things coming upon the city. And if that bad thing was coming and the watchman saw it and did nothing, then he was held just as accountable as whatever it was that caused devastation to the city. So I am sorry if I do come across as hateful, but I am hateful right now. I'm hateful at the deception. Satan, I'm ticked at you. I'm ticked at the bondage that you're putting my brothers in, sisters in. I am furious that destruction sin is causing upon this world. To those of you who call yourselves his, stop letting him win. Start calling out for the one who loved you so much he gave his life for you and start giving your life to him. We're called to be so much more. We're called to be a set-apart people. We're not called to look exactly like the world, but because we do look exactly like the world, the world isn't sure whether to want us or to fear us, whether to reject us or to call us closer. They have no idea what we are. Because too often there's no difference. So many people will be lost because they saw a Christian of the world. That's heartbreaking, Scott. I don't know when exactly it happens, but there was a time where the church talked about these things, and then they stopped. They started talking about the things that feel good. Jesus loves you. It's true. Absolutely true. But it can't be the only thing that we focus on because that very easily turns into an idol. My God loves me. That's all that's important. We mentioned it in a previous conversation, but you've got to feel the weight of your sin. If you don't, then his sacrifice means nothing. Everything he did on the cross means nothing. If you don't understand that judgment is coming, if you don't feel the weight of that sin, if you fall into the trap of seeing an idol, seeing this made-up God in your head, that no matter what you do is going to be merciful and love you, if you do not see your sin as wages, and those wages are death, then you're being deceived. And like Scott says, I pity you. Consider our motive. We have very little to gain right here, right now, by pleading with you to look at what's going on in your life and consider a different alternative. Right now we have little to gain. In heaven we have much to gain. Consider the motive. It's love. We you could be a listener. We don't even know who you are, but we love you. And we don't want you to be cast into hell. That terrifies us, the thought of that. Something that I heard someone say one time, Scott, that ooh, it made me think about, think about this. When we get to heaven and we look into the eyes of every person that we were supposed to share the gospel with, yeah. How many of those people are we going to look into their eyes and they're going to be they're going to be overwhelmed? Why didn't you why didn't you try harder? Why didn't you mm-hmm. smack me in the face? Why didn't you wake me up? I've thought about that uh the idea that uh I I believe uh I'm not, I'm not going to not going to try to reason it out right now. I'll just say I believe so you don't have to. I believe when we get to heaven, we are going to review our lives, the entire thing. But this time, we're going to, 
we're not just going to experience our lives the way we experience it here. We're going to re-experience our lives with God sitting right beside us the entire time. And we're going to see our lives as he saw us in his presence. How many times are we going to do something like hate and anger and destruction and he's standing right beside us going, okay, justify that to me. How many times are we going to see someone that we hurt and we damaged and now they're in hell and we're partially to blame because we failed to reach out in love, as Brad was saying. And we're going to see the consequences of that. We're going to see that they're eternally doomed to hell and we were put in that situation by God to reach out in love and we reached out with a fist and we helped smack them down some more. This is why I'm talking to the people who identify themselves as Christ. Because they're going to turn around and look at you and say, oh, that's who Jesus is? Well, then I want nothing to do with him. And God is going to look at us and say, okay, now tell me what was so important in your life that you lost that person to me forever. We're going to have no response. So that's why we're imploring you right now. You have a choice right now. At that point, your life will be over. Right now, you have a choice to make a change. But I, I totally understand what you're talking about, Brad. I've thought about that. How many times am I going to have to look people in the eye, look down, see them in the pit of hell, see that's where they ended up, and to look back on my life and know that this situation was intended to be God trying to get me to reach out to them, and I walked away. I refused. I disobeyed. For whatever reason, I listened to my own selfishness, whether that be anger or hatred. Now, I got to tell you something. On that note, when I was young, I was little. I was one of the smallest kids in school. I was picked on by several people. I was bullied. I was hated. I remember at one point in my life thinking, oh, how I wish I could go back and relive my life knowing what I know now. Not because, oh, I'd be famous, I'd be rich, I'd be whatever. It was so I could know exactly what was coming from who, prepare for it, and kill them. I, I, I lie to you not. I hated them so much for what they had done to me. I wanted to relive my life so I could hurt them the way they hurt me. Some people think that hatred belongs to only one classification of people and victim, victims are only one classification of people. Actually, everyone in the world thinks that. Everyone in the world thinks they're the greatest victim on the face of the earth. and Everyone in the world thinks someone else is the greatest hater and bully and terrorist on the face of the earth. We're all the same. We all justify ourselves and we all think everyone else is guilty. One of the greatest releases in my life was when God taught me to forgive them. And when I started to release people in my past to forgiveness, my life began to experience true joy. There's a story in the Bible about a man who, uh, he owes the king an uncountable sum. Let's just say right now, uh, it's $700 billion. There's no possible, no, no possible way could ever come close to paying that back. And he pleads with the king, please, I forgive this debt. And the king has pity on him, forgives him, the man his debt. The man goes outside after being released from this debt, finds someone who owes him a couple thousand dollars. And the man pleads with him to be forgiven this debt. And that man says, nope, you owe me the money, give it to me. Has the man and his family thrown in jail for the debt that they cannot pay? And when the king finds out, he's furious. I forgave you this uncountable debt and you're going to hold that against him? And takes everything from the man who refused to have the same forgiveness in his heart. When I started to forgive, at first it was because of obedience. I knew God wanted me to, so I did it. But the more I did it, the more joy I had and the easier it was. And the more I even looked forward to it. God would bring up memories of people at different times just so I could forgive them. And I would laugh and I would smile and I would go, there's another one. Hey, more forgiveness. And I would let it go. 
Guys, the more you hang on to hatred and unforgiveness, the more it's going to destroy you, not them. I do apologize because this has been somewhat rambling, but this is the conversation piece. This is where Brad and I haven't planned for it. It just what our, what our hearts have just pours out. So, so Brad, I'm going to let the mic go for a little bit, give you some space here because I've kind of been rambling for a little bit. That's okay. It's important. Some of the things we've talked about today might be the most important things we've talked about yet. But uh, I'm going to turn it around a little bit. I heard something on my way home from work today that uh, brought a smile to my face. Um, I hope it'll bring a smile to other people's faces too. It's just a, a little thing, but I was listening to a video um, of a, a pastor. He was preaching, and he said, I want you to consider the marriage vows. So many people will get married, and they'll hear these words, and some of them will actually take them to heart. Others are, you know, they're just the words you say. But think about this, these simple marriage vows coming from Jesus. Jesus says, I want to have you and hold you for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, and I will love and cherish you always. Consider that coming from a person who does not lie. Consider that coming from God. He wants you for better or for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. He can't divorce you. He wants you probably more than you want him. That just kind of just brought a smile to my face to think about that. Those simple vows, but from the God of the universe, it truly would be something very special. You know, that reminds me too. And I really like these conversations for that reason. Uh, one thing one of us says just brings up something for the other one. It just keeps going. But uh, we've said it before, and I will repeat it in every podcast ad nauseum for the rest of my life. But God is seen as his creation, his, the physical examples of what he has set up are just that, examples of spiritual reality. And in men and women, God has placed in each of us different aspects. And scientific studies and what have you, it's not like we needed them, we knew, but they have shown that men, we are primarily attracted by sight are we not truth there's a very real phenomenon beautiful gorgeous woman walks into the room you see her for the first time there's a reaction whether you intend it or not there is a wow reaction women women are more attracted by emotion by other stimulus by by, by your mind, by, by other things. They, they want to feel loved. They want to feel protected. They want to feel cared for. They're, whatever it is, it's, it's not as much physical. Does that say the physical isn't there for them? No. Does that mean for men uh, the emotional isn't there? No. But it's the primary motivation. Man looks at a woman and goes, wow, I want that. A woman looks at a man and goes, maybe I do, but prove yourself to me first. Now, the reason I bring this up is because God created us that way for a reason, because men in this play, in this physical example, you're playing the part of God. Isn't that amazing? We, mankind, are playing the part of woman, and the reason I say isn't that amazing is because God looks at us, humanity, and just says, wow. Oh, I got to have it. I got to have it. I, I want that. That is so beautiful to me. We are the ones who look at God and go, I don't know. I don't know. Prove yourself. Prove yourself to me before I commit to this. Imagine if it were the other way around. We'd, we'd never win God over. How could we prove ourselves? If God looked at us and said, prove yourself to me. And that's something 
I'm getting off another tangent here because it's a conversation. I can just go this way. Uh, someone pointed out one time that of all the religions in the world, Christianity is the only one where God or whatever God-like being or power of the universe or whatever doesn't say, you earn your spot. Every other religion says, no, you, you prove yourself to me, man. God makes the statement that uh, you, you earn your way here. Christianity is the only one where God just says, no, I got you. I just want you. I paid the price. I got you. And as far as I know, these other religions don't tell you how much you have to do. How much is good enough? Do yep. I do a thousand good deeds? Do I do five? Do I do, mm-hmm. you know, a hundred thousand? What is enough? Christianity, it's a free gift. Yeah. He wants you. All right, Scott. I, uh, I'm feeling a little bit of the spirit here. Um, go for it. Let it go. <laughs> Let it go. If it's all right, I think uh, last time you shared a God dream that you had. I did. Um, I want to share two God dreams. They'll be fairly quick. Um, but they're connected, so that's why I kind of feel like I have to share them. Absolutely. Both. And, and I kind of... And, and to be fair, mine, although it happened at one time, it was really two different segments. Yeah. So, so yeah, go for it. So, and, I, and I'm hoping that this will be a good, ex, uh, good example of kind of what we were talking about earlier. But both of them had to do with my mom. Uh, the first one was about a year before she passed away. And... In the dream, and, and the dream is so different. I want to I I start by saying this. It, it was not a dream. I do not usually remember my dreams, and I definitely do not remember them as crystal clear as this one was. So that's why I think these two dreams are different than any other dreams I've ever had, which makes me think, God. In the first one, it starts out, and at first it is kind of dreamy. I kind of am like at this all-inclusive beach resort hotel, but at the beginning, it's it's not a great place. It's it's like a, any old motel that you come across, and I'm like up in an upper upper balcony on the second level, and I'm just walking, and then suddenly, it's like going from black and white old movie to 4k and the resort around me changes and it's beautiful and wonderful and it truly is an all-inclusive resort now it's it's amazing and suddenly the path the, the i'm still on an upper balcony but it's it's a lot wider now and there's actually like tables with people and, and there's people now and they're all sitting at these tables and they're all just talking and enjoying life and and I'm just walking and it's at this point I realize I have a purpose I don't necessarily know what the purpose is but I have a purpose I have to get to the room at the end of this this upper balcony as I continue to make my way to this room all the people in the dream suddenly just start going into like chant mode they're all just shouting out things like all all together all at the same time he is our rock he is our strong fortress hallelujah hallelujah they're all just chanting and you said simultaneously everyone as one not just people shouting different things no just boom all at the same time they all know what to say and i feel like in my head i know what to say too and there's a part of me that wants to join them and i realize it's because they're all looking at god behind me i'm trying to get to this room that's in front of me but behind me is god i know he's there and i so badly want to turn around and just start joining in the in the chanting but then i just hear this quiet voice and it basically says no keep going and it's at this point where i feel a little bit of guilt because I'm like, no, no, God, God, I love you. I want to see you. I want to I worship you. No. Keep going. And I keep going. And it does. It takes a lot. I want to turn around so bad, but I keep going. 
and I make it a little further, and I realize, oh, he has my back. That's pretty cool. I finally get to the room at the end of the balcony, and in the room is a uh, sliding glass door, and there's no, it's a sliding glass door, but there is actually no door. I can't close it, open it, or shut it. And I look out, and there is an ocean. And it's like, okay, that's, that's nice. It's beautiful. I look around the room, and there's a bed. And in the bed is my mother. And I go over there, and, and, I, and I'm talking to her for a moment, and I realize this is why it was so important for me to come here. I need to save her. And it's at this exact moment that I have this realization, I realize what the threat is. I turn around and look back out that glass door and the ocean, now there's a tidal wave, huge, massive wave, you know, just slowly coming in slow motion towards the resort and towards this room. And I keep running back and forth between looking at the tidal wave and seeing it getting closer and back to my mom, begging her, pleading her. And it's, and it's, I'm realizing she can't get out of bed and I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss. I don't know what to do. I don't have enough time to pick her up and carry her out of there. I run back. I see the tidal wave. And I say, God, what am I supposed to do here? And I get the sense that I'm supposed to save her. But I don't know how. And finally, I realize I'm, I'm going to fail. She's going to die in this room under this tidal wave. And so I decide to face that fate. I go and I stand in the door and I look at the wave and it's getting closer and closer. And then right before it should take out the, the resort, it goes right back into the ocean. The wave is suddenly no bigger than the normal waves that crash against the beach. And then it sucks back into the ocean and it's gone. And then I wake up and I tell Scott this dream and, and I try to make some sense of it because to me, this is, this is new. Never really had an experience like this before. It would be some time before I make a connection. I think God was telling me, he has my back, I need to focus on my mom and her salvation. I think this, was a, this dream was a gift. I think he was telling me there's a short period of time uh, that I will have my mom. And it was. One year later, roughly, she passed away. And it was during that one year that I got her to come to our Bible studies. I got her talking about Christ. I got her seeing the relationship chasing that Scott and I was doing. And I thank God for that dream because I don't know if I would have been so, so willing to bring her into those conversations and, and, and whatnot. Now, a short period of time ago, I actually started to have some doubt. I said, God, did I answer the dream? Did I do what you wanted me to do? Did I save her? I started doubting. And then I had another dream. I had a dream, and I'm going to start out with this one. It's, it starts out silly. It starts out as a dream, just any other stupid little dream. I feel it's important to share the silly part of it so you understand when it got serious, when it got important, there was a reason. In the dream, my wife and I were, were at a courthouse. And this is why it's silly. We're at a courthouse and we get it in our heads that we want to go find where the judges keep their robes. We want to put on robes and uh, act like judges. So we're sneaking around this courthouse until we find the robes. And we put them on, but a security guard catches us. And so we panic and we run. And we get out of the, we're running out of the courthouse still wearing these robes. And we uh, get into a car and we start driving away from the scene of the courthouse. And uh, then cops start chasing us. And, you know, I'm like, I know some people that live in this apartment complex over here. And, and so I drive the car basically into the apartment. And I get out and I, and I close the apartment door. And I was like, they'll never be able to find us in here. And then there's a cop that comes uh, to the door, and he knocks, and I'm like, great, they did find us. 
And I open the door, and now it's about something else. He wants to know if I know this, this stranger. They picked him up on the side of the road, and he says he knows me. And I'm like, I don't know this guy. And basically slammed the door shut. When I slammed that door shut, it's kind of the same thing. The stupid dream stopped, and the God part of the dream started happening. Everything became very clear. I turn around after slamming that door, and there's a figure standing in front of me. He's void of any features. He's, he's all black and shiny, and it's just kind of hard to describe. He hands me an antique phone. It's brass. It's, it's not something that I would normally think about. And he hands it to me, and he says, it's for you. And now I immediately know. I immediately know that it's my mom. And I start to get real emotional in the dream. I, I want to talk to her so bad, but for some reason I know I don't have much time. And I pick up that phone, Mom, 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 I, I got so much I got to tell you. So many things have happened. I, I, I got so much and I just, I don't have any time. I know I don't have any time. And she goes, Brad, it's okay. And then I wake up. But I didn't just wake up. That, that dream, that God dream, that vision, whatever it is, it faded away. And I'm laying, not laying, I'm sitting up in bed, still crying. Mom, Mom, there wasn't enough time to tell you everything. There wasn't enough time. But now I'm actually sitting there awake, and I realize what she said. She said, it's okay. I thank God for the dream that helped me save her, but I also thank God for that dream because it's okay. I think God was trying to tell me that it's okay. I don't have to worry about that. I shouldn't doubt. Sorry. Don't apologize. Thank you for that. But that's why, um, as I was mentioning earlier, that might be a success story, but are there going to be people in heaven that it's not going to be a success story? And that, that does break my heart. I hope that, uh, I hope that was helpful. I hope, <laughs> I hope that helps people understand um, where we're coming from, why this is so important to us. Well, I think that's, that's probably a good spot to end on right there. Yeah. Yeah, I think this has been... Thank you for sharing that. I think this has been uh, a good conversation. I love these conversations. It's like the good old days when we would Sabbath and we would share the things on our heart. And it's even more important now because we get to share it with anybody who wants to participate. And this has been Brad. And this has been Scott. And this has all been not about us. <laughs>